Welcome to Nothing Ventured with me, Arish Shah. This is the podcast where we explore the people and stories that make up the tech and venture ecosystem. Don't forget to subscribe, like, rate, and share the podcast because it really helps us get the word out to more people who are curious about understanding even more about the world of venture capital. This season of Nothing Ventured is sponsored by Odin. Odin helps angels, VCs, and founders to raise and deploy capital seamlessly. You can structure your SPVs and now run your funds, handle capital calls, portfolio management more smoothly and easily in one place. Founders use Odin to raise their entire round in a few clicks by simply sending investors a link and receiving investments immediately. Odin works with over 5,000 investors and over 150 emerging fund managers and angel syndicates globally. Head to joinodin.com to learn more. That's J-O-I-N-O-D-I-N.com. Hello and welcome to this episode of Nothing Ventured with me, Arish Shah. Today in the studio, I had with me Dom and Elliot Chapman. Uh, they are both brothers and founders of Chapman Capital, where they acquire and scale a portfolio of boutique agencies. Prior to setting up Chapman Capital, they co-founded Social Chaps, a B2B sales and marketing agency. In today's episode, we talked about scaling agencies, lessons learned from going into a venture that was just a little bit far too scaled. Um, putting founders' values front and center of the acquisition process and how to disagree in private whilst being united in public. Let's get straight into it. Hello and welcome to another episode of Nothing Ventured with me, Arishar. Today in the studio, I'm really excited to have me, Dom and Elliot Chapman. If you haven't had a chance, do go out and check out the primer episode where we talk to Dom and Elliot about their backgrounds uh, and how they uh, built up uh, Chapman Capital uh, after having been in a variety of uh, roles before that. But uh, for the meantime, Dom and Elliot, really great to have you in the studio with me. Thanks Thank for having you very us. Much. Awesome. Uh, let's dive straight in. So look, one of the reasons you're on this podcast is because someone from Speak On Podcast reached out to me <laughs> and suggested I might want to have a conversation with you. Uh, and it turns out you guys had actually bought out this agency. So talk me through the thinking when, you can, when you're considering an acquisition, right? What are you looking for? What was it about Speak On Podcasts that interested you? And we touched on some of this in the main, uh, in the primer episode, but I, I'd love to get an understanding of kind of how you diligence and how you think about an agency when you're looking to acquire. Yeah, so Dom and I will come at it from two different perspectives, um, which gives us a sort of a 360 view on the on the business. So the things we'll talk about speak on podcasts specifically as a as an mm -hmm. example. So they are unbelievable at delivering the product or the service that they sell, um, which is getting B2B execs or leaders onto industry relevant podcasts. So essentially, if you are, you know, a CEO or a founder, for example, in um, in the tech space, they will get you onto industry relevant podcasts mm. and they are excellent at doing so. They, we got introduced to them by a mutual contact, um, somebody called Gellan Watt, who um, is a fantastic ex-agency owner and uh, non-exec who's working with us at Chapman Capital. Um, he was also advisor for Speak On Podcasts. Mm. He introduced us to the, the two co-founders who at the time, around about this time last year, had got to a point where the company was starting to to struggle in terms of um, the finances. Yep. And the reason they were doing that is, or the reason they started to struggle, 
their commercial model was all geared around upfront payments for campaigns, mm-hmm. which I can see the benefit of because you get a nice hit of cash. But it's sort really of, hard to convince people to pay you upfront. <laughs> correct. And also once you're on that, sort of once you do that once, you go, okay, that's paying our bills every single month. It's very hard to then stop. Mm. Um, so they got into this cycle early, tw- what are we now, 2023, early 2022, and had a real solid eight months, mm. had one bad month. Mm. And you're then in a, a yeah, spot it throws, of it throws you off. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, they had a few legacy campaigns as well, which sort of killed them where they, they you know, because it's based on how many podcasts you get put, put onto. Yeah. So some of those they hadn't delivered in the in the time frame that they agreed to. So right. you've, you've, you need these new customers to pay, but you haven't delivered on the old customers yeah. and there's not enough bandwidth in the team. So it was, it was a bit of a, a bit of a tricky situation. So they essentially came to you or, or were introduced to you at a point where they were like, we're in trouble, yep. right? So, so are you typically going into slightly distressed businesses as opposed to kind of, you know, so the, so the, the normal kind of private equity strategy is, you know, we're going to buy businesses that are cash flow positive, doing a few hundred thousand in a bit dar, five hundred thousand minimum in a bit in a bit dar, whatever, uh, and 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 use our kind of leverage to be able to build those up further. Are distressed businesses more your bag? Are like those, those are sort of targets you're looking at. A- agencies that, or agency owners, founders that are ready to exit. Okay. So in that there will be, and there has been a couple of distressed businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, for us to get involved in that, we would need to see a roadmap to recovery. Yeah. But also, can we turn it around in this time frame? And we're quite strict. You know, we say this is the time frame we're going to give it. Mm-hmm. If we can, we can. If we can't, we can't. Yeah. Um, yeah. We'll give it sort of the runway. On top of that, there are agencies where they're trying to scale up um, and trying to prep for an exit. Mm -hmm. So there are a number of different scenarios that that sort of we've we've come across. It's not exclusively distressed businesses. Yeah, I was going to say, and there's there's been a few times where we've taken sort of minority shareholdings Mm -hmm. and we've plugged in our systems to help scale it for you know the the relevant exit. And obviously, we've got L from a commercial and finance point of view to to get the EBIT they want. Um, on exit Um, and then obviously we've got the network whether it's us buying them out or another investor buying them out we've got that network and expertise to both support the scale and then you know deliver on the on the exit this season of nothing ventured is proudly sponsored by emerge one emerge one provides fractional cfo support to venture-backed tech startups and scale-ups They work with businesses from C to Series B that have been backed by some of the UK, US and Europe's best venture capital funds. They provide support from capital allocation and management, KPIs and reporting, fundraising support, financial modeling, investor relations and investor management. Come check them out at emergeone.co.uk when you're scaling fast and have need of a CFO. As well. So, how, like, so how? G- give me a flavor for how big these businesses are when you're when you're talking to them. Is there like a range? Are you looking at like minimum million, two million, whatever it might be, top line? Yeah, they're typically in and around the million pound revenue mark. Okay. Trying to break through, and this is the thing with with agencies that we spoke about in the primer. A lot, again, a lot of service based industries struggle to break through that million pound revenue mark. Uh, I don't know why that is. Well, I, I have a. Oh, I, can, I can give you lots yeah, of ideas what that is. But yeah. <laughs> have an estimate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, 
but they do struggle to, to sort of break through that barrier. Mm. So that's our, I would say that's our sort of sweet spot. We come in and go, right, we know exactly what it takes to be yeah, able to break through. It sounds like I should be that. having a conversation yeah. with you <laughs> offline as well, but yeah, no, we get into that. No, look, I mean, I think I think that, that makes a lot of sense because what, what tends to happen is like the first few hundred thousand, super easy, right? Because you've got mm-hmm. low hanging fruit, people get to know you. Then as you're scaling, the problem is you've got to bring in people, processes, and a lot of founders, as yeah. we discussed earlier, they don't yeah, yeah. know how to do that. Um, or they just, you know, they use cash flow as an indication of, of how they're doing. And then if something kind of goes wrong, it goes really badly wrong. Um, and getting up to a million can be very hard, but then like doubling from a million to two, doubling from two yep. to four, getting to five, which is where things get very interesting often. Because <clears throat> again, the other problem is like agencies work on relatively low margins, right? They're not tech business. We're going to talk about this in a second. They're not tech businesses. They don't have, um, you know, zero marginal uh, cost uh, products that they're selling. They're always selling time or yep. people, right? Essentially. Um, and therefore you get to that point where you're like, okay, I'm doing a million, but now actually to get the two million, I'll probably be making less money than what it took me to get to the million, right? Because I'm going to have to either build up a team or, you know, invest heavily in marketing or sales or something like that, right? Yep. And is that, so is that where you guys kind of then are able to unlock that, that next milestone? Yeah, so from a, a net profit perspective, you typically, most agencies will be in and around the 10% yeah. net profit yeah. space. What we're quite confident in, and because we've got a repeatable process, we could we could quite confidently double that yeah, okay. from a net profit perspective. That's pretty, um, that's pretty amazing. Most of the businesses that we are now working across is, are pushing 20% from a net profit perspective. Mm. Um, and again, it comes down to processes it comes down to making a a lot of in a lot of agencies are so inefficient a lot of agencies still don't track their you know their staff's time and that's not from a sort of a big brother perspective it's purely from a efficiency are you yeah how do we productize this how do we how do we know what our margins are how do we know what our client p l is if we're not tracking our team's time and allocating that to a certain client so by not by just coming in and putting some fairly simple processes in place we can really start to turn the screw on what that net profit looks like. Yeah. No, I think that's really interesting. And I mean, see, most of our guests come from a kind of tech and venture background. And whilst, you know, you've clearly been very successful in what you do, this isn't that, right? And you've done tech in the past yourself. Mm -hmm. But I actually think we need to have a really honest conversation about the avenues that are available to founders outside of the VC route, right? This And this is one of the reasons I wanted to have you kind of on the podcast. Because at the end of the day, it's easier quote unquote, to build an agency from first principles and it is to build a tech startup, like as both you and I know, right? Uh, So why is this a really good route to consider for founders from your perspective, like having been, having done both? And also, you know, you touched on this in the primer, have you gone into some businesses and like, you know, maybe you don't want to talk about it, but have have you not been able to turn them around, right? Like what what are the, what are the things and challenges that that, that come out there? I'll tackle question one first, which, I think the reason why it's easier is because getting a client over the line in terms of selling a service is it's just selling yourself at the end of the day. And yep. it's, it's really easy to go from zero to one and get to maybe 10, 20 K a month is not going to say easy, but it's a lot easier than building a product um, that has to continuously innovate and keep mm. up with the times. Um, 
and then sell it and then service it and then you've got a support team and then you've got a sales team there's a lot more that goes around it and as we said once you hit scale it's so profitable mm. but hitting that scale is really difficult so i think and what i've seen a lot lately is a lot of founders in the like service based industry they've got to maybe 100 200k a month and then they've started to build their own products mm. internally which i think is a really interesting route um using their own teams to sort of fix the solutions that they're having issues with. Well, we actually had uh, Matt Johns on the podcast uh, in, in the last season. Uh, he runs Founder and Lightning and he, he essentially does exactly that, right? So he goes into l like sort of legacy style businesses, non-tech mm -hmm. and helps founders productize parts of their business to give them, again, a better chance at exiting yep. uh, at, at a multiple that you wouldn't get if you were just a sort of traditional business. Like one of them that he mentioned, uh, which is like a cake kind of business, personalized cake business, right? They've just put in, like they've put in processes and systems and tech that kind of just has allowed them to scale. And I, and like something that I've thought about a lot, right, is how, where are those processes in my own businesses, in, in my own business and how do I, how do I do, how, how do I now take that step, right? Because as we just discussed, the, the big issue with scaling is in an agency, you're always having to add cost, right? So, so therefore, if you can find a way to productize some of the things that have been taking up your time, or you can you can make those more efficient, that's where you unlock that profitability, right? Yeah, massively. And and you can turn that product and you can sell that as a standalone product outside of it as well, yeah. which um, I've seen quite a few people do, and then they've actually just shut down the agency because the product's more successful, mm. um, which is really interesting. Yeah. Um, so that. I think if you can use the sort of agency as a starting starting place and then think about it because you know it could you could go down data avenue we've had a few conversations about building out a you know a data company um because we we work so much with data different types of data it just kind of makes sense to do that as a separate thing but again it's time mm -hmm. um but yeah i think it's a lot easier to to start an agency from scratch than it is to a, a tech business, well, in my opinion. Well, you, you just need yourself, right? You like, just need I mean, yourself. It, 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 like my journey was was you know after fifteen years of doing some other stuff, worked for two and a half years as an employee as a CFO in a, in, a, in a venture, and then became a fractional CFO for two and a bit years. Yep, uh, and then actually pivoted that into an agency right so i figured out where the problems were myself i understood how to create the flywheel and actually the flywheel has only taken off in the last probably six months i would say but now i can see that that's actually happening and i'm like okay well this 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 could go somewhere swimming with the tide yeah absolutely swimming um, with the tide yeah I, I, I was also born by the sea unfortunately i didn't spend much time there but a uh, very different sea um uh, uh, indian ocean not not quite yeah. uh, not not quite not not quite what we have bordering the uk but um but i think the other thing is building an agency allows you to go at your own pace often mm -hmm. yeah and really solve those problems kind of one at a time you don't have to be firefighting all the time right you can just focus on what needs to be done in front of you and also you don't have to reinvent the wheel yeah. so with a service-based or an agency all you have to do is do good work mm. consistently like good work for clients be good at client comms you know be good at delivering and you can have like a decent sized business with just those things and you don't even have to have a sales arm you can get everything through referrals yep. um if you just continuously do those things you know at a good rate you're fine 
it's only if you want to scale up, then you have to introduce those other things. You think about the difference between getting to, let's just say 10, 10 grand a month mm. revenue. Mm. In an agency, quite quickly, we could, we could plot the path mm. to go, okay, right, we're going to sell a service for a grand a month, let's just say, whatever that service is. Mm. So we need to sell 10 of them. Yeah. All right, the service is uh, whatever it is. Who do you know? Who do I know? You need to find 10 people. Yeah. To do that in a SaaS business or a tech business, mm where the products, let's say 50 pound a month, mm. it's a much longer, much, yeah, yeah. much more expensive way to get there, where rather than just leveraging a network or reaching out to a couple of people on LinkedIn, yeah. you're talking about 10 sales versus however many you need yeah. to get there from or, that perspective. Or, or enterprise SaaS, which is what I was in, which is it takes like 18 months. Yeah. You have to- you Let's have not to, even go there. You, yeah. have to, <laughs> you, have to, you have to create an API across like five different pieces of software to implement it. You need to go in, you need to do the training with all the different teams. You know, it's so much more. I, I'm not putting it off people because um, I still love it, but it's just a completely different beast. Yeah, well, it's a different beast, different. right? Like I invested in a business that was in the recruitment tech space, um, which sadly uh, has has not succeeded and, and had to be kind of wound up. Um, I know the feeling, but but yeah, but the, the uh, yeah, but the um, you know the issue they had they were again it was an enterprise sort of B two B service, and like they had a pipeline. It's just that the pipeline was nine to eighteen months to yeah. close, right? And as we all know, enterprise businesses are slow. You know they they are reluctant, and I think the other major thing, and I realized this when I was also building uh, myself, was that. A lot of us target, because we know the space, we target SMEs, we target startups, and then we very quickly realize they don't have the bloody money to do mm, anything, yeah. right? Uh, and therefore, actually, to get quality cuts. And I, I just had this conversation this morning, actually. That's why I was a little late coming in today um, with someone sort of uh, in, in the marketing side of, of things. And, you know, they're trying to set up their own little kind of consultancy. And and I was like, okay, well, what have you been doing? Well, I've been doing, you know, I've been working with some startups. And I said, well, th that's just a hiding to nothing because they won't pay. They'll be slow. They're not going to repeat. Like, how are you going to do it? Oh, okay, well, I'll, I'll work with kind of later stage business. Like, well, yeah, that's fine. But the problem is that by the time you get to them, they're already, you know, they've already got full-time people in, right? Yep. Um, and, and that's the kind of point, right? Like, if you're stand, if you're doing it your, on, on your own, you can probably get away because you only need three, five clients yeah. or whatever it is to keep, you know, pay your bills, be happy, right? But the minute you decide to build a business, and this is the very big difference, right? There's a difference between building a business and building like a consultancy is when you're building a business, you've got to think beyond, like I'm sitting here today, run rating seven figures. And I'm like, okay, how am I going to now have double revenue? That's like, I don't even, I don't, I, I don't even have another thought in my head. It's not like, okay, how do I maintain where I'm at? I'm like, how do I now get to the next milestone, right? And the next thereafter. Um, but going back to that kind of other question that I had, like, have you seen, like, and we talked a little bit about this in, in the primer, have you seen sort of failures along the way as well? Have you not been able to go in and turn things around? Like, and what are the lessons that you've learned? Like, what, what, what are the businesses that you maybe gotten involved with where you were like, ah, okay, we couldn't do this, but in retrospect, this is why we should have known that we couldn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No, that's right. no, no. It's, and it's not a failure. It's just a... It's a learning. It's, it's, a, learning. it's a learning. And, yeah. and because we have got there eventually, but we went into a business at a much later stage, so they're about three and a half, three and a half million. Uh, big team, uh, big leadership team, um, and 
going in and trying to deliver sales across. They're they're a full service marketing agency, so they do everything from UX to research to insights to TV advertising. So trying to build a sales arm that tackles all of those different service offerings in isolation. In isolation, Mm. but then that comes together with a um, you know with no salesperson at the time. It's it was you know. I didn't have enough. We didn't have enough time in the day to do that, um, and it just took. You know, we expected to get that up and running within three months, um, and we hadn't even gone live within three months. No. Um, so it's just a completely different beast. And as we spoke about earlier, from a, you know, a, a million pound business to a, a four million pound business, mm. the difference in implementation and systems and, you know, procedures is just completely different. So. Um, we're, we're there now, which is great, but that's now nine months on. Um, wow. But we are there. We and are I th- there. I think you you compare that to, let's say, speak on podcasts, for example. Yeah. We were able to get to the same place inside 45-ish days. Wow. Um, the difference there is Dom and I took over the majority of the business. The I think actually the first person that reached out to me was Dom at, from Speak On Podcast. Like it wasn't as like Dom as... Hi, I'm Chapman Capital. It was like, yeah, I work with Speak On Podcast. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, and, and that would have been exactly that. It's this is what we're now doing. Are you interested? And then, bang, you raise your hand, and you're into the mm. you're into our little ecosystem. Mm. So the difference there is Dom and I have essentially got control over the yes and no's because we own the majority of the business. Yeah. Um, therefore, we can take the business in whatever direction we want, and bang it's foot down we're going full throttle to try and turn this business into where we want to get to with the others it's much slower because there's 35 people involved yeah this takes me down like another route now right because whilst whilst you were just saying that i was like well okay but you're only two people right so let's say you've got i don't know how many you've got in the portfolio at the moment let's call it five ten i don't know six six right so you've got six in the portfolio what happens when you get to 10 or 15 Great question. <laughs> so, we, how do you scale yourself? So we yeah. do, we do have a team. Uh, we do have a team behind us. Mm-hmm. Um, so whilst it's Dom and I who sort of lead on the the sort of the strategy, the integration, the technology, there are a team of people behind us, mm-hmm. um, and that team is a team that we have built from day one at Social Chaps. So they've been with us for five years now. They know us well. Um, I think Dom and I would be the first to admit that we are complex human beings. Um, so it's important that the core team stuck with us. They're brought into the journey. They're brought into what we're trying to do. Um, and our sister, Sammy, is she was the first employee. Properly keeping in the family. Yeah, yeah I mean, not it, out of choice. Not out of choice. <laughs> um, we got gu- guilt-tripped into it. We did slightly, but it turned out to be um, an absolute blessing. Ironically, that conversation, so this was, we were a couple of months into social chaps. Yeah. Um, we interviewed somebody to hire that day. Dom and I were like, yep, we're going to hire this this girl. She's she's the perfect fit. Went home and out of the blue, got a call from our sister. She's like, I'm quitting my job. Um, can you help me? I'm like, oh, fuck. not really. But <laughs> got on the phone to Dom. I'm if like, you insist. <laughs> we are being truly guilt tripped. Imagine us saying to mum and dad that we didn't give Sammy the job. Um, and thankfully and proudly, we can say that it turned out to be a real blessing in disguise. She was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's been with us from the very start of the journey. But we do have a core team of people yeah. around us that understand how we work, that work at the speed that we need to work at. Yeah, so it's kind of how do you scale the scaler. Mm. So, so I, I'm going to 
kind of pivot a little bit, but I'm I'm declaring a bit of an interest here because yeah, always always useful to get a bit, bit of inside skinny. How, like, what is the magic source when you like? So we we didn't really talk in too much detail about like when you're looking at age. How do you know that this one's going to pop? Like, how how do you know? What does that business need to have for you to be able to know this is this is going to scale? And and. Or even what is it that they're very obviously missing? And we talked a little bit, maybe it's the processes and so on. And then how do you ensure that you can drive those processes, but also lead? Because I mean, ultimately agencies are very creative, especially yep. like in the marketing field, right? They're very creative. How do you leave that room for creativity without turning them into very rigid kind of auto automatons, right? And like businesses that just kind of seem I like- I think it depends on the type of business for sure. Uh, in terms of the type of agency, we, we're in agencies where it's tr like they're truly creative agencies and trying to put too much process just doesn't work mm. in 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 those agencies mm. you'll you'll curb the creativity it won't won't grow in the way you have but I'm gonna go back to speak on podcast quickly which is an easy easy one because all we had to do is slightly tweak the commercial model mm -hmm. and we achieved you know we, we achieved scale mm -hmm. um, you know we're growing at a very good rate there. Um, whereas another business, some creative agencies, when you get into the two, three, four million, it's like it's a big brief. It takes like three months to put together a brief for a for a project, and you you're starting to get into the the sphere of big consulting, big change projects. Not okay. even not even agencies. So again, I think scale with agencies can sometimes only take you so far, mm. depending on what you want. Uh, and I know that's probably not the answer you wanted, but, <laughs> but there, there never is. There is. <laughs> no, there, no, if no. there was one answer, we'd all be doing it, right? I think yeah. one of the. So when we first sort of get talking about a business, you you naturally look at the the finances and how it's performed. We try to look at the finances um, sort of at face value mm -hmm. and take them for what they are. Not look. Don't try and make something that they're not there because we're not looking at it from right. We're going to give you this and this is what we want to get in you know three years time mm. the the eye or the lens that dom and i are looking at it from is how can we get it from this position today to another position tomorrow and achieve a multiple a multiple mm. on that ebit so things like what's their delivery like are they what's their churn rate mm. are they actually retaining clients um what's their database like those things are important to us if we see things like the commercial model's not right, okay, we can fix that. Mm -hmm. um, can we productize their services somewhat? So can we look to get quick wins? Again, when you're going into these large creative businesses where everything is done off a brief, mm. often the only way they think is, well, we have to get a brief to be able to sell. Mm. Whereas that's not necessarily always the way. You could always do it the other way around. Correct. Pitch the brief to the client. Or get build relationships with people who have clearly got money, mm. sell them a tiny bit of what you do mm. so you get your foot in the door. That's the hardest part. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we focus on <clears throat> sort of changing mindsets. Almost what's that lead magnet. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. The lost leader or whatever. Like changing the mindset to go, right, let's just get our foot in the door. Even if it's a grand a month, you're in. You've got access to the budget holder rather than you're the other side of the table and you don't know what's going on. Mm. So it's slightly changing the, the mindset, focusing on productization, they're the things that we look for is, can you retain clients? If you can retain clients, it's a big win for us mm -hmm. because we know we can somewhat help you get your foot in the door. Not all the time. And, and we, do t we do go a lot on gut feel. So what we haven't, but we've spoken about the businesses, what we haven't spoken about are the founders. Mm. 
and the people running the businesses. That is a huge part of this. 100%. Yeah. Um, the business is one part. Another is what are the founders going to be like to to You're married work to them with. for the next yeah, like yeah. 10 years, right? Or whatever it is, right? Hopefully not 10 years, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> for a little while. Yeah, yeah. And they've got to be people that ultimately buy into what we're trying to do. Yeah. But vice versa, you know, we're going to be meeting them and speaking to them a lot. Mm. Um, so they've got to be, they've got to have the same values. So, uh, you know, a lot of what we do in that initial phase of due diligence and discovery is trying to figure out what their values are, what do they want to try to achieve in life, you know, how do they conduct themselves in certain scenarios. And you can get a, a real well-rounded view of somebody over the course of four or five hours, which, so I'll, we'll, again, we keep on going back to, to speak on podcasts because it's one that we can openly talk about. Yeah. We, we got introduced to Mark and Jakob at the start of November last year. And we concluded the deal that we can we completed the transaction on the 16th of December. Wow. So start to finish around about six weeks. Mm. In the first two weeks, um, it was purely getting to know. And, and they were constantly progressive. But it was Dom and I were really just trying to get a gut feel on whether yeah, these get under the skin of exactly. the founder, not just the business of the founders, how they approach it. How exactly. Because what you don't want is presumably we're going to put our money in or even buy you out, but we want you along. Yep. And then they switch off because they've, they've taken their check and they're kind of no longer motivated. Right? And, and what, what people don't always see or don't always think about is the emotional side of what happens to the people, the, the founders leaving the business, you know, they've got that, that is their baby. Mm. A lot of the time, it's something that they've put blood, sweat and tears into over multiple years. It is almost a part of them. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's not. How do we then treat them as individuals post acquisition, which is never spoken about? Yeah, because their identity is wrapped up. Exactly. I mean, I, I, I like I know for sure. Right. Like whilst whilst my ultimate goal would be to exit my business at some point or at least get it to a place where it's just throwing out so much cash that it just like, self-sustaining, self-sustaining self-sustain. in happy days. Right. But, um, you know, at some point, something, you know, you would hope that you'd be able to kind of create a trigger where you could um, where you could probably exit for a decent amount of, of, of cash. But I actually do wonder what what would that mean for me? I mean, like, and I think a lot of founders I speak to once they exited, like the first thing they think of is, shit, what am I going to do with myself now? Yep. Right? Like, and, and where does my identity lie? And am I going to, do I then go out and just build the same business again because that's what I know how to do? Or do I do something different altogether? Often you'll be restricted though. Exactly. You know, um, if, if you want to go and just rinse and repeat, you won't be allowed for a certain period of time. Yeah. And rightly so. You yeah. know, if someone's buying that business, why should you be able to go and replicate that? So the, the emotional side of, um, you know, how we look after those founders, making sure we're aligned on the vision, making sure they're bought into us and we're bought into them as human beings mm. and then secondary as, as business businesses. owners. Yeah. yeah. Making sure that there's a continuation plan for they, you know, they were very clear on this is how we want our business to be ran, not telling us what to do, purely around We don't want you to suddenly pivot it into something exactly. completely yeah, different. Yeah. So and it was, and it was more warnings on, you know, what to do with her because it's quite a, a, a delicate business. So they they were like don't spam hosts because then yeah 
I'll they, get pissed off. You're yeah. going to get pissed off and then yeah. not, not use us again. So it's be delicate with hosts. Treat them as customers as much. Yeah. Don't turn it into some sort of database where anyone can access them. Like, treat them as your customers, as the actual customers who There's are paying There's a relationship well. that you're building with them as it's well. It's a relationship yeah. you're building yeah. with them. So, uh, And we've taken that on, as as you, you're aware. It's um, being very careful with those hosts. Yeah. And it's, you know, when we talk around portfolios or private equity or VCs, Everything is around the business and it's around the money. Nobody is ever having a conversation around how do we profile founders that we want to work with? How do we build those relationships? How do we align on the vision? You know, you've got two brothers coming in who know each other inside out, literally fight. You're going to have your inside tells and jokes and all that. Exactly. So how do you then bring two other people into that, into that mix We've got to be really, really careful around the people that we work with um, and vice versa. And that's not as a warning. That's purely, you know, we're going to be metaphorically in bed with these people for two, three, four, five years. Mm. You want to be around decent human beings. Yeah, you don't yeah. want to be around people that you don't want to work with. Yeah. That was, that, that's, I mean, it's one of the first learnings I've had in, well, ever in business was like, you only want to work with people. So one of my uncles once said to me, you know, business should be fun and it should be profitable. And I think people forget about the fun part, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone yeah, goes on the for profitable. Sure. But if you're having a shit time, like, don't do it. What's and, the point? And and the reason you're often having a shit time is because you're working with people that aren't fun to work with. Or And fun is maybe the wrong word. But you want to be able to wake up in the morning and, and be excited about going in and, and, and chatting with Dom or you yep. or, or, or the other founder or whoever it might be. And I, I I think that actually leads on to a really kind of interesting point to kind of close off. Uh, you know, you are both two brothers in business. I know very, very deeply what that's like. I've spent 10 years in a family business, but, you know, it wasn't two of us. There were 30 or 40 of us. Not 30, um, 40 brothers, surely. Cousins, uncles, <laughs> wow. like a, whole, a whole heap of stuff. We've got it easy. Uh, I mean, I, I'll be in Abu Dhabi in... in uh, shortly and there will be a hundred of us um wow. talking about well, a bit less than that but but <laughs> but in theory there could be a hundred of us uh talking about where we're, where we're going next but anyway um so how do you keep your relationship authentic and how do you ensure that whilst you might disagree in private you are united in public because that that's be a really good really question great question um we don't like each other <laughs> no no I, I think we're 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 really lucky that the fact that we we get on on a personal level mm. as like a real personal level we have all the same interests we're very aligned on things that we like doing we like supporting each other and pushing each other mm. um not just in in business but i think it comes down to complete and ultimate trust in the decisions that we're both making are for the best for both us individually, but for the businesses as well. Mm. Um, sometimes with another business partner, potentially they might have a hidden agenda or you know, there might be something going on in their head because we know each other so well. Um, if if I'm off, he, Elle's gonna know instantly mm. um, and he's gonna protect that um, and vice versa. And I think, you know, we know when to disagree in public and sometimes it is good to have that those disagreements sure. because it shows that it's not just us against everyone else that's actually a really that's a really interesting point is you know you often with with co-founders especially you want them to present that united front but actually to your point because you're almost layering on top of that you need to be able to show that that yeah okay we, we have we may have differences of opinion and, and it's fine to be to have a difference of opinion. That actually encourages, I guess, more more challenging behavior as well. Yeah, and what we then promote is how we then deal with that conflict. Yeah. It's 
it's done in a respectful way mm. and what this is both our personal life whether we're on a you know trip out or going for dinner or we're in a business meeting we are always of the mindset that the majority wins mm. it's a you know it is a diplomatic process mm. so we'll listen to everybody's opinion and Dom and I might sit on two different sides of the fence, but we will take everybody else's opinion. So and, consultative, correct. Kind of consensus driven. And that's the right way to, that is the right way to, to sort of build a leadership team. Yeah. In terms of um, sort of how we present a united front, m we're lucky that most of the time we do agree. Um, I would say nine out of 10 times we do genuinely I'm agree. just checking with Dom that he yeah. agrees. <laughs> I'm looking the other way. Yeah. <laughs> if there is ever a time, we will only make a decision, particularly around like a major decision. Yeah. Um, around like buying a business or selling a business. And I can actually give you a live example of selling a business. Mm. We'll only do it if we're both agreed. Mm -hmm. And we will take the time that we need to get to a mutual, right, we are both wholeheartedly in on yeah, this. Because otherwise, otherwise you just end up with like, shit, well, we did this and we didn't, yeah. you know, I, I didn't agree with it. But and, and it's being honest about why you disagree as well. Yeah. And, and actually having, you know, a, a good point to say, if you just like, I don't like it, so I don't want to do it. Yeah, you've got to dig deep into yeah, kind of what deep. your motivations are. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. leave your ego to the side. Mm -hmm. This is not a big brother versus little brother scenario. This is like, you know, leave your ego over there. What, tell me why you genuinely, dis I, I know that, Dom's not going to say something for the sake of saying yeah. something. There will be something. Yeah. So, you know, we, we had an opportunity to sell uh, social chaps a couple of years ago. Okay. We were we were presented with, um, at the time, what we thought was a decent offer. It was a million pound on the table, plus shares back to the business in a similar roll-up type thing. Mm -hmm. um, I wanted to do it, and Dom didn't. Mm -hmm. And it took us... We, we both wanted to do it in... I think until further down the line. Yeah, yeah. But it got to the point where Dom didn't and I did and we just took the time and we, we spoke a lot yeah. about the whys and um, we eventually didn't do it because that was the right decision. Mm -hmm. You know, I was very much, I had to eventually leave my ego at the door because I was looking at the money, yep. not looking at the implication of what the next three years were going to look like. Mm -hmm. My external pressures were, had a young family, mm child was was two you know you're looking at right this is an opportunity but ultimately it was the wrong thing for us at the time yeah you could have if you held out for two years you might have actually tripled out exactly whatever, right? like and, and that has turned out to be the case right, right. Mm. the great thing from that is what they were trying to do in terms of this portfolio it sparked an idea and without us realizing three years on we're now doing something very similar yeah um so that was before you set up uh, Chapman, uh, yeah, Chapman yeah. Capital. Amazing. yeah, and we didn't even realize at the time that that was it was probably 12 months after we rejected the offer. Did we think we sort of recircled and went, That's actually a really that's an interesting bloody idea. good idea? Yeah, <laughs> amazing. Yeah. Uh, I can't thank you enough for, for both having joined me on this podcast. It's the first time I've had two two guests in the studio and it's uh it's been a really interesting experience to kind of because because you clearly are very very much in sync um which i think is an amazing thing especially you know uh, you know brothers and you know family in general can be quite difficult to maneuver right like often and especially if there's someone that's maybe a bit more dominant and 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 someone that you know, follows rather than leads, but it feels to me like both of you bring very different, very important skills to the table in terms of what you do. And I think that's probably why you've been able to, um, you know, to, to, to build the portfolio at the agency and then the portfolio off the back of that in the way that you have, because I think you, you both very clearly get what each of you is 
yeah. is is incredible at doing and i think that that is um you know that is that, that is a, a real testament to also your both of your own i guess um uh, lack of ego to that extent right because because you're able to then say well okay actually dom on on this issue i'm going to defer to you or 100 anyway, i'm going to do it do it on this um but listen for our for our audience where's the best place for them to look for you are you online you're on linkedin twitter where, where's the best place for, for them yeah to find both you? on both on linkedin both very active on uh, on linkedin so elliot chapman and dom chapman um yep. connect with us drop us a message um that is the go-to place to connect with us Amazing. Um, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Thank, thank you, you very much. Thank yeah, you so been. much. Amazing. Amazing.